Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Going to be looking at a classic Rob Liefeld joint today. Before we do, a couple of quick announcements. We are on tour in October. You can catch us in Columbus the beginning of the month, October 6th to the 9th at CXC. You can catch us at the end of the month at the birthplace of Cartoonist Kayfabe, Baltimore Comic Con, October 28th through the 30th. And I will be at Jacksonville Public Library for Comics and Zine Fest, October 22nd. Hope to see lots of Kayfabers at these locations. Also, we are working cartoonists and we pay the bills when you guys buy our books. So Red Room, trigger warnings. The second collection of Red Room will be in stores in late September. You can pre-order that now wherever you buy comics or books. Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, best comics I ever made. Maybe in, back in stores now. It's been out of print, but coming back any day now. And Hulk Grand Design, pre-order it now to get it in time for Christmas. The big oversized glow-in-the-dark collection will be out in December. Ed, we are here today to talk about a, a Rob Liefeld classic, an underseen Rob Liefeld classic. This one was news to me. I can't remember if it came up in our conversations it or was, if a it was commenter a, posted it. It was in a conversation uh, when we were looking at that, that one uh, Spider-Man annual where, that had that Todd McFarlane Prowler backup story. And I mentioned that Rob did a, uh, did a Spider-Man annual. And uh, I'll note, this is not Liefeld on the cover here. It's John a John Byrne. Byrne cover. But uh, I like... Liefeld's Spider-Man. We've seen it in, in the X-Force crossover with Spider-Man, uh, but this is early Liefeld and it's pretty fun to check out. And it's a big story, like about 30 pages almost of uh, Rob Liefeld pencils, probably right before he becomes Rob Liefeld, but also stylistically clearly Rob Liefeld. Yeah, this is New Mutants, X-Force era Rob Liefeld. One of the things of note is the anchor uh, that Tim uh, Dizon is, mm -hmm. is, is how I say it, although I'm sure it's incorrect. He was the anchor on that the Megaton. Uh, oh, interesting! Comics that that Rob Liefeld was was drawing. So so he brought his old anchor over uh, to uh, to ink him on on top of this stuff. But so clearly that early Rob Liefeld. I believe he did the. You know, this is an Atlantis Attacks right uh, annual when all the Marvel uh, annuals like sort of had to involve Namor's crew. They're they're trying to give. Namor or Rub. Yeah, the biggest, more and more crossovers. So yeah. let's cross over all the annuals. And I think he drew, like, the pink cover, uh, New Mutants Annual 5. That's Rob Liefeld also. So he did two Atlantis Attacks uh, annuals at that time. And showing off that style, you know, like the style that sort of made me love him. Right. I want to point out before we go on that we have a video on the Rob Liefeld Megaton mm -hmm. comics. So go check that out if you all have not seen it already. Pretty interesting to kind of trace his rise, uh, you know, to superstardom. It's pretty neat. Um, you know, on a personal level, I'm buying comics off the stand at this point. Yeah. But I wouldn't buy a lot of these annuals because, one, they were two bucks whenever probably a dollar. They might have still been 60, 75 yeah. cent uh, comics at this point. So two bucks was a little bit steep for me, especially because I viewed most of these annuals as fill-ins or stories that weren't the main story, that kind of thing. And I just wasn't picking up too many of them. Had no idea that Liefeld drew this at the time. I may have, that might have been enough for me. Um, I don't think he was But I didn't, Liefeld, didn't know I think, it at then. this point. Like, what's the year on this, 89? 89. Yeah, see, that's still pretty early. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure whether he had started his New Mutants run or maybe shortly after this would have come to New Mutants, but very fun to see him doing this. And one of the things that we were talking about coming into this it isn't quite what Rob Liefeld becomes. You know, it's almost like he's young, he's working with editors, you see some of his stylistic tics, but you also see that he could have gone in different directions, I yeah, think, depending he, on editorial push. Just go back one time real quick, man. Seeing, like, layers of depth and a top-down view with something this kind of ambitious, 
he doesn't really do that sort of thing though, where you have this immediate foreground elements. Yeah, there's a lot of these panels with some some good depth of uh, foregrounds, backgrounds, and a lot of stuff happening too. Yeah, yeah, we'll get a couple of uh, Dave Lapham eight panel pages throughout this. Jim Salakrup, the editor of the Spider-Man line, the editor that you'd see with McFarlane. Yeah. And so um, again, maybe if uh, he scoops up Liefeld, we see a different trajectory for a career. Yeah, Liefeld. I mean, uh, McFarlane is doing Spider-Man uh, at the at this stage certainly, man, and you can see some of that influence. Yeah, definitely. I don't think you could avoid McFarlane influence on, on Spider-Man at this point. Yeah. It's so successful compared to all the other Spider-Man iterations around it. Like, that's the one you're going to uh, crib some stuff from, especially things like webbing and stuff if you got to draw it. In the dialogue here with the Thought Balloon, talking about, uh, you know, P how Peter Parker's the guy that gets all the Spider-Man uh, mm -hmm. photos... I feel like any like FBI profiler would probably be like, you know, this is a little too much of a coincidence. Yeah, I think that's very true. Also, this camera, same camera he was using in 1963. Totally. Like, like that's the one that you could get at Chuck E. Cheese with like 50 yes. fucking tickets that has the manual right. winder. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, that's funny. Not a lot of reference on that camera, I don't think. I mean, he might have got that from <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese. Like, I, I had that one. It's real light. Love Mary Jane's 80s hair. It, it couldn't be bigger. It literally couldn't be bigger. If you were doing what the, you couldn't make bigger hair than that. There's holes in the ozone directly above her headpiece. <laughs> true. But then if you look at any of my big cousin's high school yearbooks, uh, there's not one chick that doesn't leave a major carbon footprint in yeah. those 1980s, man. That's hilarious. Aquanet. So, Abomination is going to be our big bad guy, as you saw on the cover, and She-Hulk guest starring this this uh, issue. So, that's kind of fun to see She-Hulk show up, and pretty much in the lawyer guise that you would see in the She-Hulk TV show. For anyone who tuned in because they're a She-Hulk television fan, I'm sure we have a big percentage of those watching right now. Um, pretty consistent with that characterization. That's funny, man. This we're getting some of the Rob tropes of like the several facial expressions, and this. Uh, facial expression, like we'll see a little bit later. It just it means conversation. Like the upturned eyebrows show a little bit of excitement on this guy, but you can mistake that uh, facial expression after a while. You know what happens with a lot of these comics we read that are 30 years old and then it's like, that's the same news story that we're hearing about now. Like homelessness is brought up in here over and over again. And yeah. I just feel like- And it's the gimmick We really like, don't solve anything. No. Like in our lifetimes, I think every problem that you'd read about whenever we were, 10 there's it's still it's still a problem today it's the yeah, and it was the gimmick of like shuttling people from one state to to the next yeah J and jameson's I, idea was send the homeless new yorkers to new jersey and wasn't there just recently something with uh, like like texas uh, texas uh government like like sending people up to new york or something <laughs> i don't know like putting putting people on a bus to new york yeah it wouldn't be too surprising see this is him like if you read the words it's just basic frivolous chit chat but does that facial expression communicate that? Wonder if this is a um, if this is all Marvel Marvel style, where it's like okay. Well, if it is, Michelini, fill in the words after you see the art. Well, if it is, then you got to change the words, man. Like then it's Michelini's issue. Yeah. Because I do think that what's happening is, see, he's using two panels for um, Spidey Sense. Yes. So maybe this should have been basic, and then like have him look over. But what he's saying is just banal conversation. Love the proportions. I love it, dude. That's that's super heroic proportions. You don't want your 
superhero to be confused for like Joe Average. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. This is one of those, if you pulled out the tracing paper, what do we have, about 11 heads tall there? 11, 13 it's heads. It's my favorite stuff. <laughs> and, and, you know, that comes really from Mort Adams. He would do that with, with the super small trunk and lots of leg. And you could do stuff with that, man. I mean, go, go watch Aeon Flux and see what you do with a character that has those kinds of legs. For me, like, I, I tried to uh, manipulate my brain into being able to draw like that, but then I never know what to do with the arms. Like, do, do you make kind of extra long arms it just doesn't look right when i do it it's so funny because this is what i learned to draw from totally. not this issue but i mean you know rob liefeld drawings or jim lee drawings and and you you kind of figure out how to do this and then you try to learn like what a regular person looks like and you've got to like unlearn this you do. method you do even when you do like croquis like life drawing stuff and you're looking at a physical human right in front of your eyes and, and that kind of drawing is about seeing it's not about imagination really and when you start using your old tricks, or when you try to like dissolve yourself from that old logic, and you realize like really how to build a head and how far back to put the ears, and how far back the back of the head is from the ears, you realize you were way off yes. for a long, long time. And I certainly look at my not like the, like the X Men stuff. Like I look at that, and I'm, I just I'm just like I can't believe I made so many of the same mistakes constantly. And, and not only that, but like I penciled it and inked it. So I had an ch- opportunity to even fix it at that level. For sure. I mean, I have sketchbooks of this stuff where it's just like wrong looking. And if you really broke down his figure, probably from the waist up, fine. All those extra heads are, are in your legs up, you know, like uh, that's the thing that I always notice with people in real life is, oh, yeah, they're, it's like half, you know, top and bottom of a person's figure. And you look at this and it's I don't know. 25% top and 75% from, from the waist down. I love it. Though. I think I do it's too. so pleasing to look at. You mentioned Art Adams a minute ago. This, both Abomination and, I'm not sure what her name is, but both of these characters remind me of uh, Art Adams, like proportions, poses. Even some of the, the detail work feels very much Art Adams, wearing that Art Adams influence on the sleeve. Yeah. And I don't think Rob would, would you know, shy away from that. And by the way, Jimmy, I have such a sweet spot for this era of Marvel Comics. Like, this, this, this is my sweet spot on this exact kind of newsprint with this exact kind of color. Oh, yeah. And this exact kind of bleed. Like, this is what we grew up with. So even in back issue bins, it, like, if I see an issue of Quasar or something for, like, 50 cents, I grab it. <laughs> That's funny. How about just eight panels, like, classic kind of storytelling breakdown? It is, but, but then when we have these bits, I don't exactly... Well, it's not this one. It's probably the next page, actually. It has some of that Art Adams energy on it, too. Absolutely. I feel like that's a nice page. Cool poses. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's this. Like, I don't exactly understand what we're doing there. Are we merging guys or ripping them apart? I think both things are happening. And this is, uh, we were talking again off air about how, like, if you have a guy with the same haircut, it's the worst thing you can do. And that's what's going on here. There was one guy that was bonded with Abomination that gets pulled out and another guy gets put back oh, in his place. Goodness. I think that's what's going on there. And they're similar enough that it's, it's not that clear. No. And you know, you know what it is too. It's about proportionality because we're going to see a we're going to see a Spider Man set of panels that are just like this. They're, they're the same le- height, same length, and you see Spider Man right here, and it looks like it could be one second difference. But the whole background, we'll, we'll we'll get there. You know what I was thinking of with that with this page is like Liefeld's already doing the thing of like try to get some money shots on each page. You yeah, know, like, like something that looks good. I feel like this is the attempt there. Maybe the close up of the face. I like that those guys are conscious of that. 
You know, it, it's almost like an attempt to make each page look cool. Yeah, sure. Like, and he always said, you know, don't want to be cookie cutter, all that stuff. This is what I love about this issue, because there was more than one time where we get this, where it's like, here's this set of poses, almost the exact same here, just kind of drawn it. bigger. It's, it's the zoom in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean, it's different legs, too. But uh, we'll see a couple couple of those. The different legs is perfect. That's how you create the animation. Uh-huh. She's running with her arms. I don't know, chicken winged behind her. Yeah, and but Spidey's still just doing the same gimmick. And that foot looks backwards. How about that one? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, both of them are actually. The the instep is on the wrong spot. We have Abomination as just a mindless beast. It reminds me of uh there's several Hulk storylines like that where uh -huh. Banner gets pulled out or dissolved inside of him or whatever and you just have the monster remains and that's kind of what, what what the thing is here with abomination that's a good character it's like really evolved and then it um it makes like the old gil kane one seem placid and like nothing yeah and these guys are just fighting again this is part of that classic marvel time period and i think the atlantis attacks and these annuals that seem dashed out there's not much story in any of them. You know, no. like it really is just a schmoz between Spider-Man, She-Hulk, and Abomination. This is one of those youthful mistakes that you're good to kind of get out of your system once you're aware of it. But like the stacking heads thing, uh, just in terms of design, it it's it creates a kind of like a left-heavy sort of set of compositions where if you kind of like moved it around a bit, had two different camera, camera angles here, it just is kind of a more pleasing way to orchestrate a panel like when you when you break down jack kirby you know you see that there's like some full body far away shots like things like that and and he rarely will stack stuff up just because the orientation just feels heavy i like the double lighting that, yeah that you see on this figure over and over that stuff's a nice nice touch for the colors he's also not bad at his back three-quarter faces which is a very tough thing to draw it's weird like you need that in your arsenal you know you right. need like front profile three quarters front and back yeah um i we've often complimented people on their debris and i feel like this is not great debris mm -hmm. and uh, i bet you that's something that if if you follow liefeld's trajectory gets better at because it's it's this is a deceptively hard to draw like nobody sits around in their sketchbooks and practices drawing an explosion or a building falling down or you know rubble yeah and uh you need it. You need it in a superhero, especially set in a city. You need that, but it's it's this thing that anytime I have to draw it, it's hard. The truth is, though, uh, the, the this is where the anchor should be singing uh, because you can't just, like, in pen or brush, just trace over the penciler's lines. Like, this is your opportunity to kind of go ham and use some whiteout and use some thumbprints and all kinds of shit to, like, sell us on that explosion. I think he does better on the rubble here, like the background rubble. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, again, give credit to the penciler or the inker there, but to me that's a more effective piece. But those explosions are tough. Fun Kingpin totally reminds me of the Sienkiewicz version of Kingpin in the graphic novel Love and Death. Yeah. Um, you know, especially this pose and that vest. Feels yeah. like that's right out of the Bill Sienkiewicz model. And, and that's a set, that's, you know, Big Brother, Todd, Todd McFarlane kind of panel orchestration too. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's tall verticals and a big heavy border. And and also, it doesn't go to the 10 by 15 imager. You know, you, you cut that off a little bit, and so it's kind of easier to draw. There's a few of those. It's, it's kind of neat to see that. I always like whenever you see a little bit of a different uh, negative space around your panels, because most comics don't vary, especially at that time period. Yeah. Ambitious pose right here, man. Hard to, hard to fucking draw. But he, you know, he pulls it off. 
And Spider-Man knocked out cold. This is not, he should not be returning to battle at this point. Knowing what we know about brain, traumatic brain injuries, Spider-Man needs to sit the rest of this one out, but he doesn't. So much fun seeing Liefeld draw Spider-Man. There's something about it. Yeah, yeah, but that pose does get used a bunch. It does. Absolutely. Trading punches. This is modern day wrestling, standing in the middle of the ring and, and trading forearms back and forth. Burn something into her neck, but almost looks like they're applying um, smelling salts, like having right. to wake up. This was a this is a trope that I would identify with uh, early Rob Liefeld art. That shadow in the face. Uh huh. Really like that. Copied a ton of those in my sketchbooks. Always thought that that looked cool whenever he would use it. Yeah. And back at it, both of them back on their feet. You never think of really foreshortening with, with Liefeld uh, very much, you know, certainly not at that level. So that's a cool thing to see. And certainly something that you need at, uh, that you with a, with a Spider-Man. Oh, is that the Roxxon Corporation tanker, man? <laughs> it is, right? I think it I is. Yes, it is. Yeah, it looks like that logo. Um, this foreshortening with Spider-Man is always cool because you have those circles on his fingers. Yeah. And you can do some kind of cool uh, finger foreshortening. You know, I saw some stuff. I saw some incredibly cool Joe Matarera Spider-Mans where the, like, the hand is kind of foreshortened like towards the cam and what he does with the circles. Yeah. Just a small circle. It becomes concentric circle stuff. It's the sharpest treatment I've ever seen those fingers. I don't know where those uh, images would have appeared, though. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't surprise me that he would do a killer. I went down a rabbit hole this past <laughs> week. Yeah. Another one of these like standard kind of panel page layouts that I think works really well, and a good payoff at the end where it's almost continuing the two panels side by side, even though it's one big panel, but it's still kind of that structure compositionally. This is the set that I'm talking about, where you got the exact same size Spidey, and so it just looks like the background's moving or right. something or, or or she dissolved into a billboard like that's one of her superpowers that's funny if you just had the top two panels though i think it's really great because it's almost like spider-man's moving past her uh -huh. you're switching your uh you're breaking the 180 rule in a way but he's moving so it makes sense yeah but you concur like yeah just having that double thing at the same size it, it it looks like one second to the next. But Remember they would always do epilogues? I yeah. feel like all these comics I'd buy back in the day would have like their epilogue page. And it would be the super like super inelegant way to get you to, in this case, Punisher right. Annual 2, which, if I remember correctly, is uh, has the Moon Knight on the cover? Punisher vs. Moon Knight? Probably, and then yeah, it probably spins into Moon Knight after that. <laughs> this is great because it's like Punisher Annual 2, and it starts out with, this is from X-Men Annual 13. This feels like old school wrestling promos where it's like, don't forget to sell it. Yeah. Sell, sell where to go next. Sell where you should have been. And uh, that's the main stuff that I wanted to show off in this. Although, sure. Rick Parker lettering, I absolutely love the stencil lettering for the uh, the title there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I don't know. I guess Bagley was probably in the game for a little bit. But this must this might be a super early Mark Bagley Spider-Man. I bet you it's his first Spider-Man. I was thinking and so. And I wonder, because he won was, that contest. I was going to say, is it? But but I think he did uh, some New Universe stuff before okay. this. Not 100% sure. I was thinking, like, is this his first work? But 89 would be late, because that Marvel tryout kit was, like, what, 86? Yeah, I don't know when that actually ran. That'd be something to look into, because it seems like what a fun... You know, like what a fun gimmick you that you never... could apply to Marvel through their tryout. Like we... that's brilliant on, on, I guess, Shooter's part or whoever came up with that. We have buds who have that Marvel tryout kit, and we need to get that under the the microscope sooner than later. You just never see those at comic cons or anything, and you don't see them for cheap. If you do, it's a hundred dollars. Yeah, 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to look at those. Remember um, Charles Burns, I remember, did yeah. a Spider-Man, some of those Spider-Man pages that yeah, float and around he, online, and he, they're wild. He, I think we might have showed them on a past video he, when we talked about Some JRJR, <laughs> and then just couldn't help himself. Um, Ron Friends, Pittsburgh's own Ron Friends, doing some uh, a short story here in the back. This yeah. is what they would always do, too, with these annuals, load them up. And so, like, reason for flipping through here is to show off some Fred Hembeck who you used to be able to find in a lot of uh, 80s Marvels, a lot of Marvel age, you'd see him doing some pages in. Sort of everywhere. I mean, he was a ubiquitous guy from, from fandom. It's really cool to see this look with Marvel, like an official Marvel publication. He's a cool cat, Fred, Fred Hembeck, in a way, because he's never deviated from his own style, and he, he got brought into everything. You know, he was included everywhere. I don't, I can't think of, like, any kind of DC stuff in any big way, but every kind of fandom publication... Comic Buyer's Guide, whatever, um, Amazing Heroes. Like, he would have his own, like, whole articles that would be right. comics. Like, the, he he was basically doing what we're doing with the YouTube channel, except he had to do it in comic form back in those days. I mean, it's good cartooning, too. Like, yeah. you can see it's not just talking heads or something. Like, that's a whole interesting page all around. So, another Mark Bagley piece. So Ubiquitous, huh? This right here? <laughs> man, I see a million of those ads so for wind, sure. Those, I remember those on the back of my G.I. Joes when I had a subscription. But I love that this stuff still emerges. Yeah. You know, like like this is, again, not a story I had seen before last week. And uh, kind of cool that you can still find this stuff. It's part of my what I love about digging through these bins. Absolutely. Is you just, you just don't have it all. There's always something cool in, in there that you don't know about. It's true, man. And uh, I bet we're going to get some good comments uh, where we need to start to pull out our truffle pigs next time we go to the i'll tell shop. you this I, I when i got this i also got an avengers annual that steve ditko pencils and john byrne finishes oh i have that one yeah, um, yeah. that i hadn't seen it before it's kind of amazing like talk about a, a strange art team up so yeah if commenters want to post some comments highlight some of these annuals that stand out of, of good art teams good stories whatever the case may be like post some of that in the comments because it is a blind spot for me, a lot of these annuals. I don't have very many in my collection. Cool, man. You good to go? Yes. Okay, favors like follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design, the oversized treasury collection will be in stores in December. You need to pre-order that now at your local comic shop or wherever you buy books. Uh, Street Angel Deadliest Girl Live should be back in stores any day now. Um, the second printing of that, it's been out of print for about a year. So start bugging your comic shop about that. If it's not there yet, it will be soon. And you can join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see more of my comics, new and old, and you can download some of my out-of-print comics and zines. Red Room Trigger warnings. Trade paperback coming in stores September. Uh, Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit, collecting all of, the, all of the 2022 season of Red Room comics. Good companion piece to go along with the anti-social network trade paperback from the prior year. Uh, I am serializing new Red Room material. There's going to be another four issues coming out in 2023. Serializing that on the Patreon right now. Uh, price of $3 will get you the entire archive of the previous Red Room materials and uh, this future stuff that won't see print for six, seven, eight months uh, from this point. Three bucks for the archive there. Uh, you could hit up my link tree in the description below this video to get access to all of that material. Jimmy, what else do we have out there? Subscribe to the Cartoonist KFAB newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist KFAB t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist KFAB channel, given those marching orders will be on our way. Read more comics. <laughs>